Lighten our hearts and minds to see you at work in the scriptures. Restore in us the compassion we see so clearly in the ministry of Jesus. By the power of the Holy Spirit, amen. Our scripture today comes from Luke chapter eight, verses 40 through 56. Hear these words. Now, when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. Just then there came a man named Jairus, a leader of the synagogue. He fell at Jesus's feet and begged him to come to his house for he had an only daughter, about 12 years old, who was dying. As he went, the crowds pressed in on him. Now, there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years, and though she had spent all she had on physicians, no one could cure her. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his clothes, and immediately, her hemorrhage stopped. Then Jesus asked, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, master, the crowds surround you and press in on you. But Jesus said, someone touched me for I noticed that power had gone out from me. When the woman saw that she could not remain hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him she declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. He said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well, go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone came from the leader's house to say, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher any longer. When Jesus heard this, he replied, do not fear, only believe and she will be saved. When he came to the house, he did not allow anyone to enter with him except Peter, John, and James and the child's father and mother. They were all weeping and wailing for her, but he said, do not weep for she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and called out, child, get up. Her spirit returned and she got up at once. And then he directed them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astounded, but he ordered them to tell no one what had happened. The word of God for the people of God Thanks be to God. Everyone's got something, right? How's that for an opening line? It's got terrible grammar. My grandmother would be appalled that I use something like that. Um, but we all got something, don't we? Everyone has something. It's a, it's a wound, an unresolved issue, drama, hurt. Uh, some people call it baggage. We all got something, and it's baggage. Some folks, they wear their baggage on their sleeves. And you know folks like this because this is all they can talk about, right? They had that friend in the third grade who slighted them. They sent that little note, and it got into the wrong hands, and they've never forgiven them since. 
And so they're not friends with them to this day because in third grade, that note, that was the end of that relationship, right? They wear their baggage <clears throat> on their sleeves. They talk about it all the time. Other folks, they like, they hold it secretly, right? It sort of weighs them down. Uh, they don't talk about it, but it's always there. It's always sort of uh, a part of, of who they are. It's part of the conversation. It's, it's kind of, a, they try to hide it from folks as best they can, but it's still with them. Everyone's got something. And it took me a, a long time to talk about some of my baggage, personally, to talk about some of the, the challenges in my life. From the funny stuff, uh, like my minor um, OCD, and I'll give you an example of this. We were on our way uh, to the Burkharts. They were hosting a young adult sort of social um, last night. And um, we drive a, a Volkswagen Golf, and there's a little, uh, the volume knob has a line on it. I don't know if the volume knobs in your cars have lines on them. Mine does. And it was about here, which was causing deep existential anxiety in myself. And so I had to shift the volume knob to where it belonged, 12 o'clock, right? This is where volume knobs are supposed to go. So I moved it, and then um, my lovely wife, Jennifer, said, uh, what are you doing? And I said, I'm putting the volume knob where it needs to go. Uh, the, radio, uh, 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 the radio was off, I'll have you all know. That's just how much it worked. And she went, like, there you go. Uh, but that's, like, that's, like my, that's my baggage. That's my thing, is my OCD tendencies. Uh, my room is set up a particular way, I should say, my half of the room is set up a particular way. Jennifer's room is set up a particular way as well. It's just not my way. That's, that's my baggage. It's part of my journey. It's part of my thing. Um, so there's the, the funny, you know, kind of uh, baggage like that. And then there's like the more serious stuff, like my desire for control. You know, see previous examples of OCD. Um, and then also maybe my pride which is my baggage. It's gotten in the way of conversations I've had with folks. Uh, clearly, this is the only way to, to view the matter, and so your, uh, your view does not matter. Uh, that's my pride. It gets in the way of conversations. It's a bag that I carry with me. It's a baggage that I have. It's a challenge that I have that God is working on me. For a lot of us, we carry that stuff, right? We carry our, our baggage and we let it uh, kind of weigh us down. Uh, when we were uh, newlyweds, we, we got married at 22, y'all, which is like kid, kid age, right? So we got married, we were just kids, and when you're 22, you ain't got no money. And so we had to go honeymoon, and the best, cheapest place we could find a honeymoon was Las Vegas, right? We didn't gamble, we're kind of nerds, so we went to go see the Tournament of Kings, which is like the Renaissance Fair thing. We love jousting, apparently, so that was fun. And we saw Wayne Brady do his uh, stand-up, and that was, that's what we did on our honeymoon. Didn't spend a dime on gambling, because uh, the hotels are super cheap, because they expect you to gamble. Anyway, so we were in the airport, and we're on our way to the hotel, and being the gentleman that I am, I was like, honey, I'll carry your bags for you. That was a huge mistake, right? <laughs> Trying to carry not only my own bag, but my wife's bag, and make it to gate, you know, D-185 or whatever, and you're like, this is impossible, right? Carrying bags, it just weighs on us over time. Baggage weighs on us. So either way, this is the bags that we have. They become challenges for us to negotiate, to overcome. Just this past couple weeks, there's been a lot of baggage sort of discussed in the media. From the high-profile apparent suicide of Kate Spade to Anthony Bourdain, people carry baggage with them all the time. And depression is one of those bags that folks carry with them that's not really their choice. 
The way I look at it, baggage is either something that we choose to do, my OCD, my pride, right? This is my bag. I made it. I created it. It's my baggage. Or it's things that are inflicted upon us. They're wounds that we have. Or they're sort of anxieties or, or depression or, or mental states that really no one chose to be depressed, right? It's still their bag to sort of roll around with them and talk about. But we need to grow in our courage to have discussions about the bags that people carry. We need to grow in our, in our courage to have discussion about the challenges that people face on a day-to-day basis because everybody has got something going on in their life. The woman in our story has her own baggage. She has her own challenges, things that get in the way, things that shape who she has become and who she is. The, the first sort of baggage that she kind of carries, the first challenge that she has is that she is a woman. She is a woman, and in this society uh, that we find the scriptures, she is really a, a second-class citizen. She doesn't have say. She can't vote on king. She can't do any of those things. She uh, has no voice. And so this is sort of the first hurdle, the first challenge that she has in her everyday life. In our story, she's actually unnamed, right? We'll notice that uh, Jarius is named, the, the man that is sort of on either side of this uh, miracle of healing. He's named, but the woman is not. She doesn't even have a name. Just a woman who, who struggles with bleeding. And this uh, struggles with bleeding, this hemorrhages, is very unclear in the Greek. It's, it's really difficult to translate. Some people think that it was persistent uterine bleeding, maybe persistent periods. And um, if you all think it's awkward to hear your pastor talk about uh, women's periods, imagine how awkward and difficult it had to be for her in that time as a woman to even say those words to a physician, to even say those words to the Messiah, to say those words to the rabbi. Talk about a challenge that she had. She had to be able to, to kind of grow in courage to say, I have this issue. Can you make me whole? Baggage that she carried. In uh, that day and age, I'm going to make a really interesting kind of parallel. You, this, you're going to see what does is, what is, uh, hemorrhages and uterine bleeding have to do with the temple? And it's a good question. I'm glad you asked. I think this is powerful stuff to consider. In that day and age, the temple, Solomon's temple, right, where the Jews would go and worship, is divided into a couple different sections. On the outermost area is the court of the Gentiles. And we read elsewhere in Scripture, you might recall this story, where Jesus makes a whip and he starts turning over tables and he starts kicking people out of the temple, right? And he says, you've turned my father's house into a den of thieves. Are you familiar with this story? Um, and this probably happened in the court of the Gentiles. Gentiles are non-Jews, and the Jews in their um, area of worship, their church, created a space for folks to come and worship who were not in the club, right? And that's the court of the Gentiles. Uh, they're elsewhere referred to as dogs, so kind of low-class citizen. Going a little bit closer to the Holy of Holies, right, is the court of the women, and so if you were a Jewish woman, congratulations, you were a step above the dogs, 
and a step above the Gentiles, and you were allowed to get a little bit closer to God's presence. We will do well to recall that what's in the Holy of Holies is the Ark of the Covenant. This is thought to be sort of where God's dwelling takes place. This is where God is present. A little bit closer after the court of the women is the court of Israel. So if you were a Jewish male or a full convert to male, you were Judaism, convert to male, sorry, convert to Judaism and you were a male, you could go a little bit farther. Court of the Gentiles, court of the women, court of Israel. Farther still, in the last innermost area is the court of the priests. If you were from the tribe of Levi and you were performing kind of priestly functions, you could enter there. This woman who has had issues of bleeding is, as the law says, ceremonially unclean. She has not been allowed to go to church for years because of her issue. And she seeks the rabbi in that moment and says, Jesus, if you just make me whole. The interesting thing is by touching Jesus, she also, by proxy, makes Jesus ceremonially unclean. The law says that if you are a woman and you're at that time of month, if you would have relations with your husband, both of you are barred from worship until a time of purification has been met. So she is, let's talk about some baggage, right? Talk about a challenge that she has. She's got to gain the courage to talk about this heart issue, and she has to gain the courage to ceremonially not make Jesus available to go to church with her. She's saying, please, just heal me. Just make me whole. And Jesus says, your faith has made you well. All of a sudden, the bag she carries becomes a little bit lighter. She can begin to see light at the end of the tunnel. Everyone's got something. Everyone's got baggage they carry. So for me, as I, as I hear this story this morning, as I think about my, my personal challenges and, and my baggage, I'm reminded of a couple things in my life. And I'm reminded of a couple things as I interact with other folks and their baggage. The first is, everyone is coming from somewhere with something. Right? Everyone's coming from somewhere with something. We don't know what people are going through. We don't know what per that person's home life is like. We don't know what kind of fight just happened with their spouse behind closed doors. We don't know what kind of financial stress they are under at home. We don't know how their kids are acting out at, at school and the pressure that that's putting on the family. Everyone is coming from somewhere with something. We like to think that people sort of engage with us when they're always at their best. Right? We like to think that when we talk with someone, they're always on their A-game. But in reality, everyone is coming from somewhere with something. And I'm reminded that people lead busy lives. We, we live complex lives with, with hard emotions. And our lives in this place and in the community intersect with other people's lives. And so I'm reminded to, to be kind, to be gentle, and to be patient with one another. Everyone's coming from somewhere with something, and oftentimes it's a huge challenge in their life. We don't fully know where people are coming from. But the second thing that I'm reminded of this morning is that our faith needs to be stronger than the challenge that we face. We cannot let our personal baggage get in the way 
of each other. I can't hold this up and say, this is my baggage. You can't see me. Don't talk to me. I can't let it get in the way of my relationship with you. And I certainly cannot let it get in the way of my relationship with God. I can't let my baggage become an excuse on why I don't pray. I can't let my baggage become an excuse on why I don't take you up on your offer for fellowship. I need to have the courage and the faith to say that my faith in God is bigger than the challenges that I face. My faith in God is bigger than the baggage that I have. Because we're not to identify with our baggage. I'm not supposed to be my baggage. My identity is found in who God says that I am. Our identity is found in who God says who we are. And we are beloved children of the Most High King. Our identity is found in Christ who has victory. Our baggage does not have the final word. Christ has the final word. The third thing that I'm reminded of is that compassion can happen anywhere at any time. And we need to make room for compassion. Don't you love this story that Pastor Peter read? This is a fantastic story in the Bible because it's not about the woman with the blood issue, right? The whole entire story is about this guy's daughter who is sick. And Jesus is supposed to come fix it. And he says, I will. I'll do it, right? He's on his way. And then he gets interrupted. He says, fine, we'll fix this. We'll do this. And then he continues on, and he does another miracle, right? It's a miracle within a miracle. It's, a very, it's like a miracle sandwich. It's a very interesting story, and it's just fascinating that it reminds us that oftentimes in our lives, we get busy. We say, I can't talk to you right now. I'm going to go over here, and I'm going to be compassionate. I've got to go over here, and I've got to show compassion. When the interruption that Jesus is faced with is an opportunity to show compassion. It's ironic, I think, and the temptation in our lives is to say, no, 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 I'm too busy to help you. I'm too busy to be compassionate because I've got to go be compassionate. Right? The, the interruption in the sort of Jesus' life is an opportunity to show compassion there in the midst of his life. So we could take a note from Jesus. He's on the way to heal someone, and he gets interrupted. It's an opportunity to show compassion. It's compassion en route. It's to, to pull off our busyness and say that busyness is a huge temptation and to recognize that there are opportunities in our lives to show compassion. We should never be too busy doing our Christian duties to show compassion to those closest and near to us. And so next time that you are en route somewhere, I don't know where that might be. Maybe it's the grocery store. Maybe it's going down to the courthouse. Maybe it's to your work. I don't know. Next time you are in route, look for those opportunities to show compassion when you least expect it. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.